You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Operation Kronos leaves Lockbit operations on borrowed time. An alleged leak reveals internal operations from the Chinese Ministry of Public Security. An Israeli airline thwarts communications hijacking attempts. The alleged raccoon info-stealer operator has been extradited to the U.S. ConnectWise patches critical vulnerabilities. Schneider Electric confirms a cactus ransomware attack. Alleged Maryland money launderers face indictments. Russian hackers target media outlets in Ukraine. Our guest is Tomislav Parison, chief software architect at Reversing Labs on the rise of software supply chain attacks. And Tinder hopes to reel in the catfish. It's Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is your CyberWire Intel Briefing. Thank you for joining us here today. It is great to have you with us. For the past four years, Lockbit has been a scourge on the digital landscape, wreaking havoc across businesses, schools, medical facilities, and governments all over the world. Employing its ransomware-as-a-service model, Lockbit has orchestrated a relentless campaign, infiltrating thousands of organizations and amassing substantial profits in the process. From a children's hospital to aviation giant Boeing, the UK's Royal Mail, and even the popular sandwich chain Subway, Lockbit's victims have spanned industries and continents. But the tide has turned for Lockbit as a sweeping law enforcement operation, codenamed Operation Kronos, has brought the group's nefarious activities to a screeching halt. Spearheaded by the UK's National Crime Agency and supported by a coalition of international investigators, Operation Kronos has dealt a crippling blow to Lockbit's infrastructure, effectively dismantling its operations from the inside out. Graham Bigar, Director General of the NCA, declared Lockbit effectively redundant following the operation's success. Operation Kronos achieved unprecedented access, seizing control of Lockbit's systems, domains, and servers. Moreover, the operation obtained crucial details about the group's members and affiliates, 
striking at the heart of Lockbit's operations. It's hard to overstate the significance of Operation Kronos. Lockbit is responsible for a quarter of all ransomware attacks in the past year and has inflicted billions in losses upon its victims. The operation marks one of the most substantial blows against a cybercrime group to date, signaling a concerted effort by law enforcement to combat the growing threat of ransomware. In addition to technical disruptions, Operation Kronos has led to arrests in multiple countries and sanctions against alleged members of Lockbit, further dismantling the group's network. The global reach of Lockbit underscores the collaborative nature of the operation, with law enforcement agencies coordinating efforts across borders to bring the perpetrators to justice. Despite the success of Operation Kronos, the threat of ransomware looms large, with payments reaching record highs. Moreover, the possibility of Lockbit's resurgence under a different guise remains a concern. However, the operation sends a clear message to cybercriminals. Law enforcement will not tolerate their malicious activities, and perpetrators will be held accountable for their actions. The takedown of Lockbit represents a significant milestone in the ongoing battle against cybercrime. While challenges persist, Operation Kronos demonstrates the effectiveness of international cooperation and the determination of law enforcement to safeguard the digital ecosystem from malicious actors. We are monitoring early reports of a significant data breach from the Chinese Ministry of Public Security that's been discovered on GitHub. The breach, attributed to a contractor known as iSoon, includes sensitive information that could potentially impact espionage operations. Leaked data involves spyware, espionage operation details, and mentions of a Twitter monitoring platform. While the documents are unverified, they raise questions about China's MPS security protocols. The leak's contents range from complaints and financial issues to overseas infiltration discussions. This is a developing story, so stay tuned for more details as they develop. Two El Al flights from Thailand to Israel faced attempted communications hijackings over the Middle East, with no group claiming responsibility. Suspicions point to Iranian-backed Houthis or a group from Somaliland. Pilots notice the irregularities and maintain their course, following protocol to thwart the threats. El Al emphasized the pilots' training to handle such situations and assured the public of flight safety. This incident underscores the importance of cybersecurity in aviation, and the EU has been updating regulations to enforce industry-wide security standards. Mark Sokolovsky, a Ukrainian national, has been extradited to the U.S. from the Netherlands, facing charges related to fraud, money laundering, and identity theft. He's accused of operating the Raccoon Infostealer, a malware-as-a-service, allowing criminals to steal data from victim computers. Sokolovsky faces multiple charges and a potential maximum sentence of 20 years if convicted. Raccoon Infostealer targets credit card data, passwords, and cryptocurrency wallets, with over 50 million credentials stolen globally. The FBI urges potential victims to check their status on raccoon.ic3.gov and report any harm caused by the malware to the FBI's Crime Complaint Center. ConnectWise has addressed two critical vulnerabilities in their Screen Connect remote desktop software, 
which could lead to remote code execution or data compromise. While there's no evidence of exploitation, immediate action is urged. Screen Connect is used by managed service providers and businesses for tech support, but also has been exploited by scammers and ransomware groups. The vulnerabilities involve authentication bypass and path traversal. ConnectWise advises self-hosted or on-premise users update promptly. Schneider Electric confirms a ransomware attack by the Cactus Group on January 17th, impacting its sustainability business division, including the Resource Advisor system. The attack compromised 1.5 terabytes of data, which the Cactus Group threatens to publish if a ransom isn't paid. Schneider Electric says they're working to contain the incident and inform affected customers. The sustainability business unit is autonomously managed, and no other parts of Schneider Electric are affected. The Cactus Group, active since March 2023, employs a ransomware-as-a-service model and has targeted over 100 victims, exploiting VPN appliances to gain access. Three indictments unveiled in Maryland reveal a complex network of shell companies used to launder over $9.5 million from 15 business email compromise cases nationwide. The victims range from environmental trusts to K-12 school districts and private colleges. The alleged perpetrators operated shell companies that lacked legitimate operations or significant employees using various bank accounts for money laundering. Multiple federal agencies collaborated on the investigation, including DHS, the EPA, IRS, and DCIS. The whereabouts of the laundered funds remains a key question. Several defendants have been arrested, while others are fugitives. Russian hackers targeted several prominent Ukrainian media outlets over the weekend, spreading fake news about Russia destroying a unit of Ukrainian special forces in Avdivka. The fake news was swiftly removed, but it still circulated on social media. Ukraine's state cybersecurity agency attributed the attack to a Russian threat actor, part of Russian's information warfare against Ukraine. These kinds of attacks are common, aiming to spread disinformation. Notorious groups like Sandworm have targeted Ukrainian media before, and of course these attacks intensified during Russia's invasion since 2022. The goal is to destabilize Ukraine, spread propaganda, and undermine trust in authorities. Coming up after the break, our guest, Tomislav Perichin, Chief Software Architect at Reversing Labs on the rise of software supply chain attacks. Stay with us. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. 
In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. Tomislav Perichin is Chief Software Architect at Reversing Labs. I recently caught up with him to talk about the rise of software supply chain attacks. We've been following software supply chain attacks for quite a long while now, uh, and we wanted to compile a report which looks at the problem holistically. Uh, So we uh, looked at the data for the last couple of years. Uh, Really, uh, we started collecting this data, compiling this data for the report uh, from the uh, attack on SolarWinds, uh, because that was one of the most prominent attacks in the software supply chain space. And that kind of started to get everybody going and thinking about software supply chain attacks. So we wanted to take a look at it from that point to today to see how the threat landscape was evolving. Well, let's dig into some of the findings here. What are some of the things that really caught your attention? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, when you look at software supply chain attacks from that point onward, there is a significant increase year over year uh, from software supply chain attacks, and they kind of end up varying. Uh, You have many software supply chain attacks in the open source space, if you will, so malicious packages circulating in the development environments, well, targeting developers and then targeting their build uh, as well. But there are also attacks on commercial software too, uh, like the attack which happened on SolarWinds, 3CX, and a few others in the meanwhile. Uh, Granted, we do find a lot more malicious packages circulating in the open source than there are uh, public events of uh, you know attacks on commercial software. And why is that? Is it just the, the accessibility of those open source projects? Oh, absolutely. So open source communities are pretty welcoming. So you can you know easily create an account, be an anonymous you know developer or an, or an attacker, and just publish your malicious content there. Uh, from that point, it's it's a matter of how you get the parties to install your malicious piece of code, which is where we see a lot of tactics evolving. And so, what are some of the specific threat actors here who are taking advantage of this? Are, are there any names that you're tracking? 
Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, there are many people uh, who are not really affiliated. They're kind of low-skill attackers, if you will, uh, and they're just, you know, latching on to the trend. Uh, but there are also nation-state actors as well. So last year was actually the first year we were able to attribute uh, one such attack to a nation-state. Uh, and specifically, it was interesting to us because this nation-state actor was interested in attacking both the open-source uh, communities and more specifically com uh, parts of the community which deal with cryptocurrency and also uh, commercial vendors too. So that kind of shows that nation state actors, especially financially motivated ones, uh, are not really picky when it comes to the way they uh, infect their uh, targets. Hmm. What are some of the other things that uh, drew your attention? Well, uh, there were many, you know, what we like to call firsts last year, uh, and just evolutions of tactics, uh, how uh, attacks are actually evolving. So one of the things we mentioned in our report, which was very interesting to me, is that the last year was the first year we saw a first, uh, what we call a dual-use uh, type of a software supply chain attack. And this was a malicious package published in an open-source community, which was targeting both uh, the open source developers uh, as part of, uh, you know, that code being included in their package. But that package was also used for phishing campaigns at the same time. So they had this idea of writing the malicious code once and use it as many times as possible. So in this particular case, both for phishing and infecting uh, the, the software packages. That's really interesting. What are you tracking in terms of things like login credentials or encryption keys? Uh, is this uh, part of what's going on as well? Yeah, it's all related. I mean, when you talk about software supply chain attacks, you tend to focus on the malicious aspect of it. But a lot of software supply chain attacks actually start by having credentials or access tokens leaked because... Once that happens, you have a very easy way of uh, you know, penetrating the uh, build environment. Uh, basically, you can do anything you want with the build as soon as you have the keys to the kingdom, if you will. Where do you suppose we're headed from here? I mean, is, is there any sense that, uh, that we're making progress here, or, or is this something that continues to grow? There's a lot of positive movements, really, uh, in, in the uh, software uh, supply chain space. Uh, there's a lot of vendors uh, who are getting involved to provide you know, people with tooling and uh, capabilities to detect these types of things. And even uh, open source community itself, uh, OpenSSF, is, is not only advocating, but uh, creating some of the solutions uh, that are meant to uh, both protect the build environment, to kind of track the prominence of builds, to ensure everything is kind of signed, not tempered with. There's a lot of aspects of software supply chain security which you know need to be secured and it, it really takes a village uh, to get us there. Uh, but you know, attackers, uh, they do like to innovate and they kind of follow the path of least resistance. Uh, I do feel like that this is an emerging threat vector and that the sophistication of these actors is, is relatively low at this time. Uh, but uh, as, as we kind of buff up our defenses, so will the attackers evolve their tactics. So what are your recommendations then? How do folks best protect themselves here? 
Mm, interesting question. Well, depending on who you are, right? So if you are a software publisher and you're trying to uh, build a secure piece of code, which you should, uh, you should leverage at least uh, what the uh, OpenSSF uh, is making available today. So tools and capability to, to scan, scan your code for both, you know, known malicious packages. Uh, they do have a GitHub repository open up uh, relatively recently, which kind of lists out all of the known incidents. Uh, and they also have a bunch of tools when it comes to you know, securing the provenance and vulnerabilities and stuff like that. Uh, so I would look at the program uh, itself and start to uh, you know, take chunks out of it. Uh, there's good advice actually coming from the government. Uh, there's this framework I really, really like published recently uh, as a term. Uh, it's called Enduring uh, Software Security Framework, uh, ESF. There's a bunch of really good advice in there. Uh, it's not realistic for everybody. It's it's more like a guiding star. Uh, but if you start attacking the problem, I think we're all going to be in a better spot than we were yesterday. Our thanks to Tomislav Perichin from Reversing Labs for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And finally, our Lonely Hearts Club desk tells us that Tinder is introducing advanced ID verification in the U.S., U.K., Brazil, and Mexico to combat catfishing. Users must upload a video selfie and a valid driver's license or passport. Previously, only photos or video selfies were required for verification. Tinder will cross-check uploaded IDs with selfies and profile photos, verifying age from the ID. Users reluctant to upload IDs can still verify with a selfie, but get a camera icon, not a coveted checkmark. The system was tested in New Zealand and Australia and will roll out to the UK and Brazil in the spring and the US and Mexico this summer. So, Tinder hopes to cut down on catfishing. Our guess is there will still be plenty of fishing for compliments. Hopefully the dating pool just got a whole lot cleaner with no more casting doubts on your matches. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Don't forget to check out the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast, where I contribute to a regular segment on Jason and Brian's show every week. You can find Grumpy Old Geeks where all the fine podcasts are listed. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector. 
as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Stokes. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Iben and Brandon Karp. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.